Hello, welcome to Curious Lorenzo, a podcast where I research in real time topics that I'm curious about. In my podcast, I um, don't really know a lot about the topics that I'm looking into. Um, I have a general idea many times, sometimes I have no idea. And when I'm recording this podcast, I am, I'm not uh, coming here with any prior sort of research or understanding. I'm not trying to deliver any information to try to teach um, this information to anybody or, or, or anything like that. All I'm doing is um, researching this in real time. So um, yeah, it's fun for me. I get to create something and I also get to learn something. Um, but uh, today, what I was curious about was uh, stories and why we as humans tell stories. And also, I remember hearing something from somewhere, and I don't remember where the source was. It probably was some podcast I, I had listened to or maybe it was a show I watched. But I remember hearing that humans will remember more content if it's put in, this, put in the format of a story Versus if you just get like a data dump. Um, and that's ge- generally the case. I know there's probably some people who uh, who will retain a lot of information if it's just a data dump and they're just, you know, they're sponges for data and they'll retain all that information. Um, that's not me. Um, I know maybe I might seem like the person who is a data person who's super boring and just likes to hear numbers and Whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that if you are that person, you're you're boring. You're not. You're you're unique. If that's who you are, I I assume that's what I'm going to find out here. But I, that's not me. I enjoy stories. I enjoy listening to stories, watching stories, being a part of stories, and I think that's kind of why I like to podcast um, too. I have this podcast, which I just kind of started, kind of halfway as not really a joke, but um, I started this podcast because. Uh, I, I, wa- I want to continue to be curious after leaving my job teaching. And I also started this podcast because um, my wife, Lindsay, is um, a founder of a, a network of, of podcasters called the Borellas Podcasters Guild. Um, and and we were talking about doing workshops and and. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I needed to look. I need to look into the process of starting a podcast and kind of figure this out, um, and 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 maybe record a video of my process so I can share it to people. Um, so I, as I was doing that, I created the podcast and I just kind of kept it going. So this is fun for me. I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy making podcasts. And just today, as I was folding laundry. I um, was listening to the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast, which is called Star Talk, and they were talking, um, and I can't remember the name of the episode. Well, let me see if I can find it. Um, the name of the episode is, uh, let's see here. I'm not, I'm not going to find it. I'll link it in the show notes. But, uh, oh, here it is. It's called, um, it's episode 44. That doesn't sound right. Episode 44, they have more than 44 episodes. Maybe it's in this season. But it's uh, the title of the podcast episode is The Hidden Science of Music with Eric Whitaker. And the expert they have on the podcast um, 
and I can't remember her name, but she's a, a brain expert, I think. And they were talking about stories and it kind of made me remember the thing that I heard a while back about how stories are, are told because we remember a lot of that information. Um, so that's, it's just interesting to me, the, the, way, the way that we as humans uh, retain this, this, uh, this storytelling, the ten- tendency to want to hear stories and to pick up information with stories. Um, and I think that's why we, we love going to the movies but a lot of us don't love to go to, to go to school. We go to school because we have to. We don't go to the movies because we have to. We go to the movies because it's fun. But when we go to the movies, we're, we're learning something. We're picking up information. And um, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to me. Um, so that's what I know about stories. Uh, from personal experience, it's completely true for me. I am not a school person. I, even though I was a teacher, I, tr- I tried. I tried to teach in a style that um, would have worked for me. Uh, so hopefully, my students that I had kind of picked up something from that. But um, I hated high school. Um, I thought it was. I mean, I did it, and it was fun. It was whatever. I, I wasn't a social person. I wasn't popular. Um, I wasn't good at sports, even though I tried. I was in band, and I wasn't even good at band. Uh, I wasn't really good at much. And school just was school. I mean, I had to do it and I thought, you know, I'll get this done. I'll get this over with. And that's kind of what I did. I was a very middle, middle of the road student. Obviously for my podcast, you can tell that I'm not extraordinarily brilliant or anything like that. I just like to, I just like to know things on a very surface level. I'm not digging deep into anything. I just, that, that's it's just who I am. Um, but I didn't love school. I didn't love going to school. Um, but I, but I do love to go to the movies. Um, I love to experience uh, events like sporting events, like like live music events. Um, I love to sit with friends and uh, I like to go to plays, even though I don't go very often. Um, I like to go to, um, I like to watch movies with my, my wife. I like to binge shows. I, th- I think a lot of people do. So that's who I am. And I, I, that's how I kind of soak up information as if it's in a, in a story format. Um, so I wanted to start this off just by reading a story. And I don't know why. Um, I wanted to read a very ancient story. Um, and there are a lot of ancient stories. Um, but the one story that I kind of thought of that came to my mind was uh, the book of Job, which is in the Old Testament. So it's a sacred book to two faiths, um, Judaism and Christianity. Um, as far as I know, there might be more, but just off the top of my head. Um, and it's a, it's a very old book. And I kind of I just wanted to read a little bit of Job um, because I, I, I just wanted to hear... Um, what this ancient story sounds like, and maybe what are, what are they? What what story are they telling? Um, so I'll, I'll just I'll just get started. I I'll just get started on this. So this is Job. There was once a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had seven thousand sheep 
3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. His sons used to go and hold, festival, uh, hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and inv- invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of, of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. One day, the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along, came among them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from, Satan? answered the Lord. From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land? But stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, and that he has... All that he has is in your power. Only do not stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on on the camels, and carried them off, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your daughters... Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on on the young people, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. One day, the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. On the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, skin for skin, all that people have, they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, 
Very well. He is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job's on Job, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd from which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at his hand of at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, when God, now when Job's three friends heard all of these troubles that he had come upon him, each of them set out from his home. Eliphaz, the Tamanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Zamathite, they met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. So that's just the first two chapters of Job. But this is, it's a story that I think is um, it's captivating. You're drawn into the story. Um, I'm not sure when the story was written. I have the Book of Job Wikipedia article because that's my go-to source. Uh, And I'm going to read a little bit about when it was written. Um, But I imagine, you know, and also the language and and, and where these people lived, wherever this was, I imagine this story was passed a couple of times uh, from a couple of generations before it was finally written down. Uh, that's my guess. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find this out in the Wikipedia article. But it's a very interesting story. And I wonder, I wonder how many uh, versions of this story there might be just being told over and over and over. And, you know, like how you play the game Telephone. In school, I mean, I know in school I've I've used the telephone game as demonstration as a, as a science teacher. You, um, you know, you you want to you want to teach information. You want to teach the the uh, communication of information to to the students and how how science is communicated. That's a very important piece of how I you know what I taught to my kids. But like just like in that game, telephone the first student, you give them the message and they're supposed to tell it from one person to the next person to the next person and the story just gets skewed. But I imagine that this story has retained a lot of the very important pieces of whatever the original storyteller was trying to say. Um, it's it's a fun story. Like, could you imagine, like, um, uh, can you imagine a man just being totally, totally just tortured by this um by this angelic being this evil angelic is that is that even a thing does angelic have to be good could you you can have an evil angel right i guess a celestial sort of supernatural being and this conversation between god and satan like that's it it paints a picture um and if you don't have TV or radio or podcasts or anything else and you're sitting around the fire and 
maybe your tribe had just had just killed a you know had a good kill um they killed a big beast of something that they were all going to enjoy and eat and they had plenty of food and maybe that maybe it had rained and they had the time um and you know as a teacher i'm thinking automatically of maslow's hierarchy of needs if you if you have the time and your failure your, your belly's full you have the time and you're okay with telling a story. Otherwise, you're you're using all of your resources and energy and everything else to find food because you need to eat. But I just picture, I, I, I just see this setting where there's this tribe of people who are who are taken care of and they're sitting around maybe a fire or maybe they're sitting next to um, a river bank or maybe they're sitting in some hills and there's some bushes around. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of different places, I guess, where you could tell a story and they, everybody's gathered around and they're captivated by this storyteller. And he's, he's telling the story about Job and everybody, everybody is painting their own picture of what's going on in this story. Um, it's just really interesting to me. And these stories, I know they're meant to have morals, you know, there's a moral to the story. There's a point of the story. So it's, um, it's an interesting thing. And I, I kind of, you know, when I get some free time, I want to read the rest of Job because I haven't read it in a while. Um, even just disconnecting like the the weird uh, pressure you get from being, being a, you know, if you grew up a, as a Christian to, to to read the Bible as a, as a job or a duty or whatever it is. If you, if you, if you read the Bible as literature, it's, it's a little bit different. It's kind of freeing actually. I'm just enjoying this right now. Um, so anyways, uh, I am going to take a quick break. And when I'm back, I'm going to talk about the history of Job. And then I wanted to talk about stories. And maybe I can find some information as to why we enjoy stories and why and if we retain more information in a story versus just a data dump. So I will be right back. Okay, I'm back. And so yeah, now I want to I want to talk a little bit about the history of Job. Um, I read the first couple of chapters in English, uh, obviously in English. Um, but the story was not originated in English, it was originated in a different language. So let's find out language, I want to find out when, if we can find an author, are there like, um, is there evidence that it was a, it was a verbally passed um, you know, story from person to person, but here's the first part. Here's the here's the fun part where I where I read through on a Wikipedia article. So, uh, yeah, let's let's just jump in. The Book of Job is a book of the Hebrew Bible. Um, it addresses the the problem of theod theodicy. Uh, so, so theodicy means vindic vindict vindication vindication oh my gosh vindication of god it is uh it is to answer the question of why a good god permits the manifestation of evil thus resolving the issue of the problem of evil some theodicies also address the evidential problem of evil by attempting to make the existence of an all-knowing uh so all-loving all of, yeah, so it's, I'm not going to go into theodicy, but that's a brief little, I'm just hovering over the link. So it addresses the problem of theodicy. 
Oh my God, could have just read the rest of this sentence. <laughs> Meaning the vindic vindication of the justice of God in light of humanity's suffering. That is some interesting stuff. I would like to read some books on that. Um, so the, let's keep going. A rich theological work setting, setting out a variety of perspectives. It has been widely and extravagantly praised for its liter literary qualities. Hmm with Alfred Lord Tennyson calling it the greatest poem of ancient and modern times. It is found in the Kedavim section of the Hebrew Bible and is the first poetic book in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. Scholars believe that it was written between the 7th and 4th centuries BCE. So a very, very long time ago. And that's a, that's a pretty big gap to estimate too, right? between the seventh and the fourth centuries. Like there's a few, a few hundred years in between, you know, estimating like when this could have been written between the seventh and the fourth centuries. Um, all right. So let's keep going. They, in this, in this book, um, so it's a poetic book of the Hebrew Bible. Um, let's see if it has any information on who, who might've written the book. Um, any, any sort of history about it. So in the contents, there's a prologue on earth and in heaven, Job's opening monologue with his friends. Um, if you break down the book, there's three monologues, poem and wisdom, Job's closing monologue, uh, two speeches by God, God I guess God speaks, uh, and there's an epilogue. Um, here's the composition, authorship, language, and texts. Uh, so here's, here's the juicy stuff, the history. Jo Job appears... By the way, why did we all decide that Job was pronounced Job instead of Job? I know that's a weird question to ask, but but really, it's it's a question. Like it, whatever. It's it's that's a dumb question. I shouldn't ask that. Um, Job appears in the sixth century B.E.C. Book of Ezekiel as the man as a man of antiquity, renowned for his righteousness, and the author of the Book of Job has apparently chosen this legendary he hero for his parable. So he was in Ezekiel too. I did not know that. Um, rabbinic tradition ascribes it to Moses. So, um, so traditionally Moses wrote it. But scholars generally agree that it was written between 7th and 4th centuries BEC, BCE, with the 6th century BCE as the most likely period for, the very, for various reasons. The anonymous author was also certainly an Israelite, although he has set his story outside Israel in southern Edom or northern Arabia. Uh, so Edom, if I hover over Edom, I just want to see a little bit of the Edom article to see where it is. Edom was an ancient kingdom in Transjordan located between Moab and the northeast. So Moab, uh, if I'm looking at this map, is on the, um, it's on the western, no, I'm sorry, eastern eastern shore of the Dead Sea. Um, so it was located between Moab in the northeast and Areba to the west and to the Arabian desert to the south and east. Most of its former territory is now divided between Israel and Jordan. So yeah, that's where Edom is. Um, and makes allusion to places as far apart as Mesopotamia and Egypt. 
So the language of Job stands out for its conservative spelling and for its exceptionally large number of words and forms not found elsewhere in the Bible. Many later scholars uh, down to the 20th century looked for an Aramaic, uh, Arabic, or Edomite original, but a close analysis suggests that the foreign words and foreign-looking forms are literally or are literary, literary, literary affections designed to lend authenticity to the book's distant setting and give it a foreign flavor. Job exists in a number of forms. The Hebrew uh, Masoret, Masoretic text, which underlines many modern Bible translations. The Greek Septuagint, made in Egypt in the last centuries BCE, and Aramaic and Hebrew manuscripts found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, um, yeah, there's different versions, different forms of this text. Um, I would like to see too, I would like to find out if these different, um, these different translations of the text of Job um, have, uh, if they have inconsistencies, because that would be really interesting to me. Like that would say that there were different forms. Maybe, maybe there was a story that took shape and was told and was, was passed to another tribe because, you know, just how people lived where they were nomadic, maybe, maybe they traded, maybe they went from, from place to place and they took a story with them and they left the story with them. And then it was, it was maybe altered or changed or whatever, depending on what the storyteller wanted to do and eventually was written down. So, Maybe the story, maybe the story lasted a hundred years with some, with some tribe, and then it had another hundred years with another tribe, and then they wrote them down separately. So I, I want, I would love to see how much differences there would be in those two stories, or however many translations there are. So, yeah, really interesting. Um, I'm not going to go too for, too much further into the history of Job. Um, I might read the the entire story later on my own, but. Um, ancient story, what I've gathered is that it's probably a 6th century, more than likely 6th century uh, text. Um, Israelites, um, Hebrew, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff. So, um, stories. I'm going to take a break and talk more about stories and see if I can find some information about why stories mean so much to us. Why do we, why are we able to soak in a story and get so much information from a story versus just reading a, reading a Excel spreadsheet? So um, I will be back. Okay, I'm back. All right, so stories. We tell them, we listen to them, we like to hear them. Sometimes we don't like to hear them. They help us to form emotions inside of us that we already have, whether the emotions be happy or joyful or scared or worried or stress or whatever it is, there's different stories 
that will um, will encourage us to have different sort of emotions. Um, and it's interesting how our brain works and how our brains will take in information when it's put in a story and it'll pair it with an emotion. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty wonderful thing, I think, how, how, we, how we use stories. So I'm just going to go through the Wikipedia article. That's what I do. I looked up stories. Um, and in Wikipedia, there's a couple of different articles. But, this, but the article I thought was the best is uh, a Wikipedia article called Narrative. So let's go ahead and I'm just going to read the intro. And there were a couple of sections on here that I wanted to go through and maybe comment on as I'm kind of learning this, learning about stories, learning about narratives. So narrative, a narrative story or tell is an account of a series of related events or experiences, whether non-fictional, memoir, biography, news report, documentary, travelogue, etc., or fictional, fairy tale, fable, legend, thriller, novel, etc., Narratives can be presented through a sequence of written or unspoken words, still or moving images, or any combination of these. The word derives from Latin verb narrare, to tell, which is derived from the adjective narus, knowing or skilled, is one of the four rhetorical modes of discourse. More narrowly defined, it is the fiction writing mode in which the narrator communicates directly to the reader. Oral, story, oral storytell, storytelling is the earliest method of sharing narratives, which, which probably was what was going on in Job. Um, during most people's childhood, narratives are used, to, are used to guide them on proper behavior, cultural history, formation of a communal identity and values, and especially studied in anthropology today among traditional indigenous people. All right, so oral storytelling. Um which I believe is definitely a lost. Um, well, you know, then as I'm saying that, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take that back. I was gonna say that oral storytelling has been lost because I'm thinking about like an old man, old woman, sitting on a stone, um, wearing you know leather that they tanned themselves, uh, and you know, with, with a, a gentle glow of fire and they're just telling a story and they have a captive audience. And I was going to say that that has been lost, but, and storytelling has been lost, but no, I don't think storytelling has been lost at all in that, in that, in that sense, like oral storytelling. Um, I would guess that like in that way of just gathering and people getting together and hearing somebody tell a story, yes, I don't, that doesn't really happen uh, much at all. Um, I've tried to do that. I've tried to tell my, my kids a story and usually it's an improv. Like I'm just making a story up as I go and sometimes they'll listen to me. And then sometimes I keep going on and on and they get bored, um, with the story that I'm telling because it doesn't, it's not going anywhere or it's not exciting or whatever. But, uh, in that sense, yeah, maybe storytelling doesn't really happen. We don't get together. We don't get together to tell stories because we have so much technology that that shares our stories for us. We have amazing, you know, 4K TVs with um, amazingly produced movies and shows and, you know, the competition that Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime um, have all made have, 
has has encouraged shows that are accessible to everybody. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people, shows that are accessible to a lot of people um, to be very good. The production of like, let's just say Stranger Things on Netflix is incredible. Movie, like, like blockbuster movie quality direction and film and cinematography. And the story is amazing. Um, I loved Stranger Things. I thought it was a, a fantastic story. And it's very easy to consume a story like that. You don't have to worry about um, remembering it to, to retell it to your family because they can just watch it themselves. Um, and you can just sit there and, and relax and enjoy the company of the people around you or sit there on your own by yourself and, and watch it and enjoy it. Um, so stories are just, they're kind of delivered to us at all angles from everywhere because of, because of computers and technology and internet um, and everything else that goes along with it. So, but oral storytelling is, is, has been around for thousands of years. Um, I would love to find out more of the indigenous people's, um, oral traditions and oral stories, especially the ones from here in New Mexico. Um, I haven't learned much about oral, oral stories, any stories that have been passed down. I don't know if any of these stories have been written down. Um, but I think that would say a lot about the history of our region. Um, maybe some of the troubles they, they, they went through even before uh, colonizers came. So that would be, that's a very interesting uh, place that I would, I would, I would want to go to. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. So I'll look into that in a, another time. But yeah, this oral storytelling has been around for a long time and we, we use it to, we use it to, to, to instill proper behavior, to, to have, have our kids do the quote unquote right thing. Um, the other thing was cultural history. You want, you want people to know what's going on with the, the history of, the, of your people to keep that history. Maybe you, you know, history is important because it's, it's something that we need to hold with us so we don't repeat these events. Um, from information of a com communal identity and values. So it sort of, um, sort of strengthens that tribal bond uh, like I was talking about in my tribalism episode. You're, you're part of a people, you're part of a, you, you went through a struggle and you're kind of bonded more. Um, values, what kind of values do you have as a people? So these are all interesting things that in, in oral storytelling, there's that moral of the story and it can instill these sort of uh, characteristics and, and, and behaviors. All right, let me go on. N narrative is found in all forms of human creativity, art and entertainment, including speech, literature, theater, music and song, comics, journalism, film, television and video, video games, radio, gameplay, unstructured recreation and performance in general, as well as some painting, sculpture, drawing, photography, and other visual arts. As long as a sequence of events is presented, several art movements such as modern art refuse the narrative in favor of the abstract or the conceptual. Um, so, yeah, this is going on to, going into uh, a different, you know, there's different mediums for, to have a narrative. Um, and I think I, I didn't even think about th this, this broad sense of the word narrative or story, but 
when you go to a museum and you look at a painting, if the painting captures you and you can you can sit there for for you know what seems like hours and get lost in the painting because the painting is telling you a story. And that is that's an incredible thing. And I, I you know, I, I have three kids and um, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna use them as my excuse, but I haven't done that in a long time, but I have done that. I've gone to um, you know, a couple of the museums in New York. Uh, I went to a museum in Los Angeles um, and just kind of enjoyed some of the some of this wonderful art. And it's very quiet. And you can be con- contemplative, contemplative, and you can just sit there and look at look at a piece of art. And sometimes a piece of art doesn't capture you right away, and, and you just kind of have to sit there for a minute. Um, and sometimes it won't capture you at all. But there's other pieces of art that you can sit there and you can get lost in these different details, and you can see what's going on and it tells a story. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. This this uh, you know being able to 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 find a story within, within a, within a painting. But, um, and in music, music can tell a story. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about different, uh, classical pieces where you can sort of imagine something going on, uh, inside of that, uh, inside of that musical piece, different key signatures can, can, can help you to feel different emotions you can feel joyful. You can feel rushed and, and anxious. You can feel worried. You can feel sad. So music can tell you a story. Uh, the other one I thought was pretty interesting was journalism. Uh, right now, there's a lot of journalism going on. Um, there's an election going on right now as I speak. Polls are closing in about an hour. Um, and I'm just kind of distracting myself by recording this podcast. But when you're when you're telling the news, you are telling a story. There is no possible way for you to be there and to experience that story. And every single person is going to experience an event through their own lens. So journalists have a very important uh, job, I think, and and they, they're they're telling a story. They're they're reporting to us what's going on in that moment. And I think that's why it's it's really important to to look at any 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 different number of stories from a, a couple of different perspectives. Um I know we like to receive our news from whoever kind of tickles our confirmation bias. Uh you know if you're if you're right leaning you like to get your news from Fox News, if you're left leaning you go to the Huffington Post. Um, and there's a lot of in-betweens, but, uh, I think it's important to get your journalistic sort of digest from, um, you know, different angles, different, different versions. So, so yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, journalism is a story. What else we got here? Narrative can be organized into a number of thematic or formal categories, nonfiction, such as uh, definitively including creative nonfiction, biography, journalism, transcript poetry, and histography. His, his, yes, histography. Fictionalization of historical events such as anecdote, myth, legend, and historical fiction, and fiction proper, such as literature and prose and sometimes poetry, such as uh, short stories, novels, 
and narrative poems and songs. And imaginary narratives as portrayed in other textual forms, games or live or recorded performance. Narratives may also be nested within other narratives, such as narratives told by unreliable narrator, a character, typically found in the genre of noir fiction. An important part of narration is the narrative mode, the set of methods used to communicate the narrative through a process through a process narration. Yeah. We tell a lot of stories. We tell different stories in different ways. Um, humans have, have gotten really good at telling stories, um, knowing their audience. Um, it's a, it's a kind of an interesting thing, just reading, reading about how many different types of stories and how many different ways you can deliver a story in poetic and songs and novels. Um, with a narrator or without a narrator. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty interesting thing. Um, all right, I'm going to go into the hitter, uh, human nature and then I'll wrap this up. All right. Human nature. Owen Flanagan of Duke university, a leading, uh, conscious, con- consciousness researcher, um, writes evidence strongly suggests that humans in all cultures come to cast their own identity in some sort of narrative form. We are, why are these words so hard for me? I don't, inveterate. Inveterate. And what does inveterate mean? Let's look that up. Inveterate, having a particular habit, activity, or interest that is long established and unlikely to change. I learned a new word today. Although I don't know if I'm going to retain that word. I don't know if I'll ever use that word. Inveterate. Inveterate means, I'm going to look it up again because I already forgot the definition. Uh, Inveterate means having a particular habit, activity, or interest that is long established and unlikely to change. So an example was he was an inveterate, he was an inveterate gambler. Um, All right. We, we are inveterate storytellers. Stories are an important aspect of culture. Many works of art and most works of literature tell stories. Indeed, most of the humanities involve stories. Stories are of ancient origin, existing in ancient Egypt, ancient Greek, Chinese, and Indian cultures, and in their myths. Stories are also a ubiquitous component of human communication, used as parables and examples to illustrate points. Storytelling was probably one of the earliest forms of entertainment. I'm going to pause there because used as parables... Um, I know I re- I started off with reading the book of Job, which is in the Bible, but I'm also going back to thinking about, uh, you know, in, in the new Testament, when Jesus came along, that's how he taught was with parables. And it's so interesting. Every time I, every time I read, um, one of the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and it's a story about Jesus and somebody comes up to him and they're, they're, they're drawn to this person and they're, they're asking him questions because he's demonstrating this like greater knowledge, this greater wisdom, these divine qualities. And they come to him and they ask him questions. And he says, well, let me ask them, let me answer you this, answer your question, but with a story. And I wonder if he just knew that this information is going to be kept. And it's also a much more personal way you know, somebody's going to sit down and they're going to tell you a story. That is a very personal thing. It's like a warm handshake or like when you lock eyes with somebody and they're just just into you and, and engaged with you and, and they care about you. 
that's that's a very interesting way to it's very interesting that I'm thinking about that. So um, let's keep going. Storytelling was probably one of the earliest forms of entertainment. Makes sense. As noted by Owen Flanagan, narrative may also refer to psychological process in self-identity, memory, and meaning-making. I'm going to read that sentence again. As noted by Owen Flanagan, narrative may also refer to psychological process, processes in self-identity, memory, and meaning-making. So a lot of times, if we have a story... It's going to make it's going to make us um, assign meaning to it, and I think that's important um, to think about how stories help us to assign meaning. And if you think specifically about your own life, our story, the story that we're writing for ourselves right now, is sometimes far off. We don't see our story. We can't. We can't live our story because it's happening right now. We're so zoomed in that our story, since our story is happening right now, we can't step back and and appreciate the story. But sometimes for me, at least, if I take a step back and I look at my story, then it kind of makes sense more and I get some more meaning out of it. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, that's just kind of how I'm feeling. But we all have kind of a story. And we all want to have a good story. We all, we all want to have a meaning, a meaningful story. And um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. But stories are, are beautiful. Stories are ways to connect to other humans Stories are ways to teach somebody. Stories are ways to deliver information, to make ties with each other. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I hope uh, that you are in a good story right now. You're a part of a good story. I hope you're lost in a good story, whether it be a book or a Netflix series or, or whatever, whatever it may be. And I don't think that storytelling is going to be lost with humans. Um, Maybe in some forms, maybe in some mediums, but we are a storytelling people. And I think it's going to keep going. So anyways, that's, that's it. That's all I've got for this episode. Hope you enjoyed and I will talk to you on the next one.